Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! How about that? It's time for another edition of the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It's episode 27. Today we have a very special guest. It's the one and only Justin Mason from Friends with Fantasy Benefits, The Sleeper on the Bust, and Fangraphs. You know him, you love him, and his wife is funnier than he is. Join your hosts, Christopher Neary and Michael Govier as they talk fantasy baseball with Mr. Mason. The boys have waited a long time for this, so they're really excited. Take it away, boys! Long time, long time You're listening live to the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo baseball podcast. Palazzo, Palazzo. I keep doing that every week now. I'm obsessed with that, dearie. Uh, my pal, Chris Deary, is here with me, as always. How's it going, Chris? I am well. How are you? we got a great guest here today. I'm excited to get rolling. Yeah, we're back on the guest train. The bandwagon of guests returns. We took a week off, and now we have none other than the man himself who needs no introduction from me, Mr. Justin Mason. How goes it? It goes fantastically. Thank you guys for having me on. Well, it's our pleasure, really. I mean, we're just a humble little podcast, and you're a gazillionaire. So the fact that you would come on this show is amazing. I don't know how we pulled this off, but thank you for being here. A gazillionaire. You must have seen my tweet about my taxes last night. <laughs> I did. I, I made a profit of seven cents. It was. Uh, it, it, took, it took me about seven hours to do my taxes, and I averaged a cent an hour. Uh, which was uh, very, very uh, humbling, uh, I would say, and, and not gratifying whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. But you know what does sound like fun is our show here. It's the Rico Palazzo Podcast. We're on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Check us out, DM us, send us a picture of yourself playing fantasy baseball, which really entails you just sitting at a computer or watching a game. I don't. There's not much to it. Uh, but check us out on there, and uh, Justin's going to talk about baseball with us today. We're going to talk about drafting strategies in the 60-game season. That's kind of be the focus of the centerpiece of our show. Uh, we have a very unusual situation 
at our hands at this time. But uh, first off, you know, Justin, uh, I, for those who don't know you, I don't know if there's anybody. If anybody's listening to this show, I don't know how they wouldn't know you, but maybe there's friends of ours that don't know who you are. So, you know, what's your story, man? Not like your whole story, but, you know, what's the latest? Uh, well, you can catch uh, me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB. Uh, I write over at Fangraphs and uh, and then uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, which I co-own, and TGFBI.com. I also do podcasts for all those spots, so the Sleeper in the Bus, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, Baseball and Football podcasts, and then the TGFBI podcast. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just like, getting ready for drafts. Uh, I've got my final three drafts next week. They're all like my big money drafts, so you know uh, the main event, a couple main events, uh, an online championship. It's uh, oh, you it, do it, main events? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did my, I did the main event for the first time last year. Got my ass absolutely handed to me, uh, <laughs> like it was embarrassing. Like I had to work. Like most people in the main event, like if their team is dead in the water after two or three months, they're like, well, I'm just gonna ignore this and go pay attention to other leagues. I had to work my butt off to make sure I didn't finish dead last in the overall. I mean, I had, I drafted a number of injured guys as I'm sure people have heard. And then uh, I had 18 of my 23 original or 18 of yeah my uh, original 23 in my starting lineup uh, go on the IL at some point during the season. Um, I mean, it just got absolutely decimated with injuries on top of drafting injured guys. Uh, and I learned a valuable lesson. Uh, and so I, you know, I lit $1,700 on fire last year uh, so I'm going to do two main events and try not to light my money on fire this year. Shit. I mean, I know your wife. Uh, I've had her on my other podcast, uh, about mm-hmm. Danielle. Wonderful woman. Check it out. It's being real with Danielle.com, not getting real with Danielle.com if you want to read her blog. But I often wonder how these fantasy dudes who are married, have families, do these. Ma- I mean, these are big chunks of change, man. I love mm-hmm. playing fantasy baseball. And I know Deary. Deary's a bigger gambler than I am. That's not really a secret. But he's still not going to. Th- I mean, that's a lot of money. I just I think about that a lot. And it, I hear you. You're not cool in the fantasy game if you're not like playing main events. And to those people, I say, fuck you. I mean, <laughs> I think that's a silly thing. And, um, you know, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of us who are in this industry are not making a ton of money or any money off of the, you know, podcasts we do. Uh, off of the writing that we do, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I would like to say I'm fairly well established now in the industry and I still have a full-time job. Uh, so it's not like I'm doing fantasy stuff full-time. Uh, and I have, well, I'd love to be full-time and if someone wants to come out, you know, and hire me full-time, uh, I'm not going to say no necessarily. Uh, but, uh, Ultimately, like I have no illusions that a full time gig is coming my way anytime soon. So, uh, seventeen hundred dollars is a lot of money to drop on one league. You know, especially if you're going to do more than one, which a lot of people do. I, there, there's one guy in the main event this year that is doing eleven or twelve main events. Uh, like that's a huge chunk of change to be dropping, and not everybody is millionaires and can afford that. So. I don't have a problem if people don't want, or some people don't like the NFBC format, and that's fine. Um, so, like, wait, 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 the format, or like the style of the website, or just like they just, two they catcher don't like, roto leagues. Yeah, they just don't like the two catcher league. They don't like you know the weekly pitchers and, and bi-weekly hitters. 
Um, you know, some people are points leagues people, and, and so they prefer to play in points leagues, or they like head-to-head formats, uh, and so they, they, that's not their style of play, and that's fine. I think the beautiful part about the industry as a whole is there's kind of room to do whatever you want, and that doesn't mean you you are, like, be, you know, holding to some industry standard of what you should or shouldn't be playing. I play the main event because I do enjoy NFBC leagues. Uh, I think they're extremely competitive. I like the fact that you can win $150,000 in the main event, $100,000 this year because it's a shorter uh, and less expensive main event. If you're going to play the main event, this is the year to do it. There's going to be a lot more variance. Um, It's only $1,200 only. Um, It's still a huge (laughs) chunk of change. Uh, But uh, this is the year to try it out. Or if you you – always wanted to get into the main event. They have main event qualifiers. I, you know, I did two main event qualifiers this year, 125 bucks a pop winner gets in a free entry into the main event next year. So like, you know, there's, there's different ways to get in. Um, and there are, you know, guys in the industry, they're like, Hey, I got to build up a bankroll first. Good. You know, build up a bankroll, you know, you know, learn. I mean, like I said, I got my butt handed me last year. You know, I had a lot to learn, uh, in that first season. And, uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, I've learned more and some people are going to learn on lower stakes and that's fine. I don't think anyone's getting into fantasy to make money. Um, obviously, you know, the main event's a great way to uh, get in there. But I mean, I do five, six leagues every year. I don't think I ever think, oh, man, I'm getting in this because I might win, you know, 1200 1400 bucks or anything like that. It's more of like I'm paying 10 bucks a week just to have my brain melt watching baseball and uh, playing some fantasy. So. It's funny. Every time Justin kept saying bankroll, I'm like, oh, man, Mike McD walking into the Chesterfield with a fucking uh, bankroll getting lit <laughs> up by Timmy KGB. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, it's funny. That's exactly what I think of, too. That's always Anytime that word. Anytime I hear bankroll. All right. Well, hey, you know, if you're going to be in the main event someday, you got to get the best fantasy knowledge you can. And uh, you can follow Justin to get that. Uh, me and Deary try to give you the best that we can as well. So in the show, we're going to talk about fantasy draft strategies. And we'll get into that and a whole bunch of other stuff. We're going to have a mountain visit. We'd like to talk about the mental health side of things. And then we'll close it with a shine or ride the pine where I'll throw some projections at these two guys for a 60-game season. And they'll tell me what they think. But first, let's get into leading off. So in leading off, we're talking about What's going on right now? So we got summer camp going on. We've had some COVID dropouts. We got people who have COVID right now, which is affecting them. So we don't know their status. And we've got intra-squad heroes. We got people like Edwin Rios hitting a boatload of home runs at intra-squad games. Tell me, Justin, does that matter to you? Do you take a lot of stock in these intra-squad heroes right now, or is it not as compelling to you? Yeah, I don't really care about it for the most part. Uh uh, you know, things I do care about are pitch counts. I, w- I want to see how deep into uh, these outings pitchers are going. Are, are they throwing, you know, 50 pitches? Are they throwing less than 50 pitches? Are they throwing 80 pitches? Uh, that's the kind of stuff that, okay, these guys might be ready to go deeper into games once games are being played. But, I mean, very often we have no idea what the level of competition is. And so you hear a guy, you know, oh, he threw three innings, but he struck out seven guys. Well, who are the seven guys? Does, does that matter? Who was who umpiring? You know, uh, there was, uh, I think it was Verlander. Oh, no, no, it was Kluber. So Kluber had this amazing outing, 380 pitches, which is great, and you want to hear that. Uh, but he, 
he struck out a bunch of guys, didn't walk anybody, uh, only gave up two hits. Uh, we have no idea who he was going up against, the interest squad game, so he could have been going up against double-A hitters. Um, we have no idea who's umpiring, so how, like, are, are they really going to, like, cause it or, you know, call, you know, balls and strikes properly? No idea. Um, you know, the, the, the thing we, we want to hear is the fact that he actually did uh, have to get four to five outs in multiple innings so they could build up his workload. So we know he's able to throw these innings. That's great news. But the results, I don't care. I really, really don't care. I mean, this is almost worse than spring training where like, oh, you know, um, oh, who's uh, Mikel Franco, his eighth home run of the spring. Yeah, How well is that ever translated? So, uh, I mean, because you never know what a pitcher is working on. Like he may throw the same pitch four or five times in a row just to get the feel for it. Uh, hitter's going to realize that and, and, and tee off on something, um, you know, pitchers who get blown up, you know, like I said, could be just working on something, you know, they could be going up against hitters that aren't very good. None of that stuff matters really. So, you know, just hope that guys get through it healthy. Just don't have like Byron Buxton incident, incident oh. uh, and you'll be fine. I just always hope for the best with that dude. It never works out ever, never, never, ever. He's still only 26 years old. So who knows? But, I'm curious about guys who have COVID now. How are you focusing on them? How are you putting them in your draft queue? You know, if you were doing a draft, you got three drafts coming up. Freddie Freeman's got COVID. How does that affect him? Does that make him a third rounder to you? If he is a fourth rounder, how do you see that? Yeah, I'm pretty much just not touching guys who are not playing. So, I mean... You know, there's always there's there's always a price for everybody, right? So, I mean, if Freddie Freeman falls to the eighth round, am I going to be like, well, I'm not going to take the shot on him? I, you know, that's still a decision though, because you know, we're we're talking about a 60 game sprint. So, anybody who misses a week, you know, uh, is likely missing an eighth of the season or a ninth of the season. Like that, that's huge. Like that, that you know, we're we're talking about guys missing, you know, you know, extreme amounts of time if they're not well. And, you know, we know that Freddie Freeman was sick. And so like an actually sick, sick, he wasn't asymptomatic and he really struggled with it. What kind of shape is his body in? I've seen some of these before and after photos of people who've gotten COVID <laughs> and they're scary looking, you know, guys in the prime of their life who were like now like sucked up. And so like, yeah, I mean, Freddie Freeman, probably not going to be on any of my teams rest of the way. Uh, I'd rather take a safer option of a guy who is maybe going behind him. I only laughed because I thought of the photo I saw of Pete Alonzo. Apparently, he's put on some weight since his like hulking look that he had last year during his amazing 50-homer campaign. But now he's got a little bit of a gut. He's got the COVID pounds going on. He doesn't have COVID, but that's what made me mm-hmm. And I was also th- <laughs> thinking about... People who are taking advantage of pitchers in those intra-squad games, you mentioned that, and I thought about uh, Mookie Betts at a home run last night in their intra-squad game, and it was off a guy. It was a bad pitch, but he still golfed it out. It was amazing. But this is a guy, like you said, he probably won't be playing in the big leagues. I didn't know his name. I know most of these guys. His name, last name of White. And he, if your digit is 60 or higher, it's not good. You know, that's yeah, usually, not usually, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Eloy Jimenez or Jose Abreu, your number is mm-hmm. probably below 50 if you're a hitter. <laughs> yeah, true. Aaron Judge, right? You know, so I mean, oh, you just, you just never know, like, who I mean, un- unless you actually know who he hit it off of, you're, you know, you're following Twitter, you're following, 
you know, the MLB highlights and stuff. And you can be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, pause it. What number is it? Go look up the number. Okay. That's Joe Smith. Who's Joe Smith? Not the old angels pitcher, but uh, you know, so it's I'll just like, the basketball player. The class. Uh, <laughs> See, and you know, you never know. A basketball player could be just throwing BP for him. So uh, now they're, they're, they're locked in the, uh, the bubble. Right. So yep. they can't oh, be throwing cool. BP, but uh, yeah, I mean, you just you just never know, and so like, I'm I'm less uh, I, I care less about the you know individual results and more about okay, who's in camp, who's healthy, uh, and uh, you know how deep are pitchers going into games. That's all. That's all I really care about. That makes sense to me, and I think you would also probably agree. Then pitchers are at even more of a disadvantage. Like Jesus Lazardo just tumbling down your rankings. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean. We we already didn't know how the A's were going to handle him in this shortened sprint, or like, I mean, how they're going to handle their whole staff. The A's are a team very much like the Brewers and like the Rays that can be very innovative in terms of using their relievers, pulling you know starters early, you know when they need to to make sure that they're securing wins. Uh, and now you're talking about a guy that we have no idea. I mean, he's missed a lot of time, so we have to assume at this point that he wasn't just exposed to someone that he had COVID himself. And so now we don't know how much, you know, work he's been putting in. We have no idea how the team is going to treat him. Uh, And like I said, I mean, it's a short season. You miss two starts out of 12 or 13. That's a huge portion of your season. So, I mean, considering where Lazardo has been going, there's, there's no way I end up drafting. Yeah, and as as a young pitcher like him, I mean, they're not. I don't, I don't see them trying to rush him back so they could go for a sixty game title. You know, this is a guy who's a arm for the future for them, so they they don't want to rush him back and have him, you know, get exposed to any further injury. And you know, Justin brought up a great point that COVID hits everybody so differently that yeah, we talked about those those before and after pictures of people that were out three four weeks and just lost a. T- ton of weight and that energy level is not going to be up mentally they're probably just grinded out so it, it's going to hit everybody differently so I, I think I'm on board with him as well I, I, I talked about it last week Mike asked me the same question of you know would you steer clear of guys that have COVID I'm like oh I don't care but now that I'm actually drafting tomorrow I'm going to go with guys that I know are healthy now and I'm at least going to get three four weeks out of them you know to start the season because most leagues you're playing in, you're looking at six seven weeks for a regular season that's so short it's super short. And like, there's some people out there like, well, if they've gotten COVID already and they're back with the team, oh, then I'm, I'm targeting because they can't get it again. Well, Delino just shields missed the first 10 days of camp with COVID and then came back for two days and then tested positive again. And now he's gone again. So like we have, we, we don't know enough about this disease in terms of who builds up antibodies after getting it, who doesn't uh, to really speculate on any of that kind of stuff. So for me, I'm just, I'm steering clear of, you know, the COVID guys. Uh, And I'm also like making sure, like I made sure my two main events were next week. Like, you know, and my last one is, is literally the last main event drafting because I'm just not going to invest a lot of money into a league and then find out, you know, two days after drafting or a week after drafting that all of a sudden half of my team is not going to be ready for the start of the season. So Justin, you brought it up that, you know, this year would be a great year to get in the main event because there's so many unknowns. Did you have some hesitation because of those unknowns as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's <laughs> you never want to invest a lot of money and not and 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 think that 
well, my skill level could be capped by an unknown source. So, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's definitely the argument you made that nobody should be playing fantasy, especially in high stakes leagues. And one of my writers and uh, podcasters over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, Colin Weatherwax, who's a huge uh, NFBC guy and high stakes player, uh, he's like, he got all his refunds when they refunded all the leagues and said, I'm not playing another league. And I've been like trying to talk him into like, Hey, just do a main event with me. We'll split the cost, you know, and everything. Oh. Um, and he's like, no, I'm, I'm not investing. He goes, I'd rather play DFS. Cause at least I know who's in the lineup that night. You know, I don't have to worry about that. You know, I draft Mike Trout and then Mike Trout opts out after his baby's born. You know, I don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, oh, I drafted Pete Alonzo and all of a sudden Pete Alonzo gets COVID and he's going to miss two weeks. And now I've just lost my second or third round pick. Um, and like, I totally understand that. Um, I also love playing fantasy baseball. And so I'm just going to embrace the madness. Uh, is there, are there times where I go, this is fucking crazy. Of course I do. Cause it is crazy. You know, two minute events means I'm dropping $2,400 on a season that may not even happen in like full effect. Um, and like I could put together the best assembled roster ever and still finish dead last in my league because like randomness. Happened. Yeah. Randomness. Yeah, exactly. Who the hell knows? But I mean, so uh, you know what I told Colin is somebody's got to win that hundred grand, right? Why not me? You know, hey! and we're all, we're I all love that. and we're all in the same boat. Like, yeah, I mean, is luck going to play a huge factor in who wins? Of course it is. But luck plays a huge factor in lots of things, and especially fantasy baseball. I mean, sometimes you just luck into the right pitcher in the 17th round, and that guy turns into Blake Snell's, you know, Cy Young year. You know I mean? Just sometimes you just luck into it, and, and that's okay. And, uh, um, you know, if people want to put an asterisk on – you know, this season, if I win the main event, sure, I'll still spend that hundred grand just the same. Yes. You're walking into a casino. Everybody has the same odds at that roulette table, and you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and I think it's that randomness that really gets me excited. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you have that data. There's a ton of data. That's true. But we have not removed luck from the equation at all. So I don't want to hear anybody say, well, you know, I've actually worked really hard on my numbers and blah, blah, blah. No, cut the shit. There's still going to be luck, and obviously in 60-game sprint, we're looking at pure madness, people. Total chaos, and I can't wait for it. I'm actually more excited about it than I really thought I would be when everything looked so dark and hopeless a month ago even. you know, We're, we're taking a sport that already involves so much randomness, luck, streaks, injuries, so much unknown, and we're ramping it up times a thousand. That's true. Yeah. Embrace the madness. Enjoy it. Like, it's... You know, we've gone, what, they shut down baseball in the middle of March. So we've now gone three months without sports, really, because there haven't, I mean, unless you're a NASCAR fan, which I, I'm not. No, um, no, no, no. Yeah, or you're an MMA fan, which which I'm not. No, like, no, no, no. No sports. And, like, this is supposed to be primetime baseball. Uh, and I'm, I'm super stoked to have it back. Even if it lasts only two weeks, you know what? I'll get my money refunded and at least I got two weeks of baseball. Just, just give me something. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with you. And I'm so glad to be actually motivated and passionate and excited about baseball. That's why I love it. Now I'm back in business, baby. Uh, so speaking of baseball coming up, your giants are on opening night. Are you excited about that? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for baseball. I, it's going to be a long season for the Giants, and uh, it's going to be ugly. Um, I'm assuming you guys are both Tigers fans. So you know how I, I, I feel. So, um, yeah. At least you got three championships out of the, the deal in the last 15 yeah. years. Yeah, and you <laughs> took one from us, you son of a bitch. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's not my fault that Pablo, you know, made Verlander his bitch. It just, you how know. <laughs> how the hell did that happen? No one knows. Team of destiny. Like, it makes no sense. And, you know, I mean, this is – it's interesting because, like, this is the year where you go – any team has a shot, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Chris, you were talking, you know, a little bit ago about the A's. Like, is this the year they push all in? It might be. It, I mean, this might be a perfect, like, setup for the A's. You know, Marcus Simeon's going to be a free agent after this year. Maybe they just decide, let's go all in and do it. We've got a shot, you know, with 60 games. And some teams may do that. So we may see one of those, like, wild card teams that ends up winning the World Series. Uh, And great. It's fun. Like, you know, I mean, does anybody remember, like, who won the 1982 World Series when it was a strike certain season? I mean, Dodgers fans do because it's the last time they won a World Series. But um, well, they won in '88, so don't disrespect your fellow Californians. It was '88, whatever. I couldn't even remember what year it was. That's what. That's why I like forgot. Like you know. So well, they are uh, playing on opening night. That's gonna be you know. Your Giants are probably smoked. I mean, but yeah, we we probably will, and that's okay. Like um, you know, I've drafted way more Dodgers this year than than Giants. Don't tell my wife that because she'll divorce me. But. Uh, I, I like to win things, and the Giants aren't going to be very good. That's okay, but it'll just be nice to, you know, sit there and watch a game. It'll be a little weird, considering there'll be no fans in the stands. I'll be interested to see how they do, like the piping the fan noise. Um, that that'll that. be. Yeah, I have too, and it, I mean, it seems like it works fairly well. It'll still be weird because I think you're going to hear more things from the players than you normally would, which I think is cool. Yeah, um, you know, the you're the hear that sounds amazing. It does, and you're gonna hear trash talk that you don't normally hear and stuff. And I heard Yelich uh, say shit the other night. That was cool. yeah, it'd be great. Um, so, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, do, I mean, Giants being on opening night. Yeah, who? I mean, do I really care that much? Is the Giants? No, I just care that it's baseball. That's what I figured. Not a lot of highlights with the Giants right now. Same thing for the Tigers. So I thought we could commiserate together. Uh, yeah. So, Hey, if you want to commiserate about your team and how terrible it is or how great your fantasy team is, send in an email. Palazzo podcast, two L's, two Z's at protonmail.com. Send us an email. Tell us about the show. Uh, if you got a question for Justin about, you know, how sexy he is and, uh, how amazing he is at fantasy baseball, then send us a question. We'll forward it to him. Uh, if you want to send in a comment about how his wife is cooler than him, feel free to do that. We take all of these things in happily and freely. So now, before we get to the fantasy breakdown, we're introducing a new segment for our dear special guest, Mr. Justin Mason. It's called Inside Palazzo Studio. So this is kind of like a tribute to the uh, fallen James Lipton who passed this year and Inside the Actor Studio. I'm just going to ask you a a quick series of yes or no kind of quick questions. Can you handle that? Uh, We'll see. I'm not going to guarantee anything. Yeah, you should. You already asked me a yes or no question, and I didn't answer yes or no. Yeah, see, the truly a rebel all the way. All right, here we go. Uh, Seinfeld or The Office? The Office. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, McDonald's or Taco Bell? Taco Bell. Ooh, okay. Uh, Mac or PC? Uh, Mac. Uh, Richard Pryor or Dave Chappelle? Ah. I'm going to go Dave Chappelle, but that, that was tough. 
yeah, some you know, it might not be a Chappelle without prior. Yeah, I can see that. I'm I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, love or money? Oh, money. <laughs> I've never been in love. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Mrs. D's gonna lose her shit. That's fun. She's probably laughing actually. <laughs> uh, Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh God! Uh, see, this is hard because I don't really care for that kind of music at all so um van halen hey all right great uh 80s or the 90s the 90s i don't i i mean i don't even remember the 90s much less the 80s but i i'm i'm definitely not old enough to remember the 80s i don't remember the 90s for a different reason yeah I, yeah i understand what you mean there uh tupac or biggie oh tupac that's not even close to me wow yeah uh how about a uh, vacation or staycation Ooh, that's uh i'm gonna say vacation yeah covid is you know keeping us in i would i think i could i could go mm-hmm. for vacation i hear you uh what about boris scott boris or rob manfred oh oh, oh. god <laughs> i mean I, i'm i'm gonna go scott boris because at least he's his own man oh yeah that's what i'm talking about I great love answer that was a great answer <laughs> uh how about this, uh, McCovey or Posey? Oh, I, I, I'm going to go McCovey. I love Posey, and I, I mean, he's been a great uh, face of the franchise, but McCovey was the better player. There it is. What about uh, Willie Mays or Griffey Jr.? Oh, Mays. I mean, you can you can give me anyone with Mays, and I'm going to go Mays. Oh, okay. Well, I'm learning. This is great. What about Eddie Murray? Eddie Murray or Albert Pujols? I'm going to go Eddie Murray. I love Pujols, and I think Pujols is a first ballot Hall of Famer in spite of what he's done in this, you know, big contract. But, I mean, Murray was great for a long time. So underrated. Mm -hmm. Eddie Murray is, like, forgotten about, and I don't understand. And I I grew up in D.C., so, like, there's a little bit of Orioles blood still kind of, like, flowing through me. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did learn that about you. I forgot. Yeah, I lived in Baltimore for the last couple years, so I am with you there. I'm kind of an O's secret fan, but they're so terrible. The Giants, the Tigers, and the O's, all terrible. What do you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bilbo or Frodo? Um, I'm not like a nerd in that regard. My, I, I tell my wife all the time I'm not a nerd. She goes, uh, you play fantasy baseball. Like, that. That you're a nerd. Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, I'll go Frodo, I guess. I. But, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or another. Neither do I. I just thought it was stupid. Uh, how about uh, Ichiro or Pete Rose? Oh, I'm going to go Ichiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but, I mean, I think people forget that, like, Ichiro already had, like, a Hall of Fame-worthy career before he came to the United States. Uh, and so if he had come over when he was in his, you know, early 20s he would easily be the all-time leader in hits so uh and and, i mean ichiro is like sneaky amazing at everything like if you've ever watched a batting practice of ichiro's like he had some real power when he wanted to uh like there was a video that went around not too long ago of him just like knocking over uh baseball bats that were standing on their end from the pitcher's mound like he had an arm like he could just like rifle them off one two three four like in a row knock them all down in order uh, like, yeah, Ichiro is an amazing all-around player. Yeah, you've always heard, I've always heard the stories that Ichiro could have hit 40 home runs if he wanted to, you know, things like that. I believe it, too. Okay, a couple more. How about this? Roy Halladay, you know, rest in peace, 
or Ooh. Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay or Cliff Lee? As oh, it's Halladay for me. It's uh, I mean, I started playing fantasy uh, right about the time like his career took off in Toronto. And like he was my favorite ace to own in, in fantasy. And just uh, I mean, he was just so much fun to watch, uh, you know. It's unfortunate the way his life ended, but yeah. Um, he's, yeah, for me, easily a first ballot Hall of Famer. All right, two more. Diane Sawyer or Hugh Downs? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting one. I'm going to go Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, I think she, I think uh, if she was a man, she would be going down as one of the greatest. Uh, um, newscasters of all time, and I don't think she gets the credit she deserves because uh, she came up in an era of pretty much all male, you know, newsmen. I completely agree with you. Great call. And then, lastly, I already know the answer to this, but it's for shits and giggles: sausage or bacon? Oh, it's it's bacon. I mean, this is <laughs> this is like the worst take you have that bacon is bad or you don't like bacon. Um, it is, uh, I mean, it, I literally blocked you, uh, on Twitter for <laughs> you took a photo of it and showed it to me. Yeah. yeah I got the whole deal. It was funny. Yeah. So no, I mean, uh, if I, I mean like my wife is not going to care about me taking money over love, but if I took sausage over bacon, she would straight up divorce me. <laughs> I was just going to say she loves bacon as much as you do. She would probably lose her shit if you didn't like bacon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Set on bacon. I love it. That was beautiful. All right. That was inside Palazzo Studio. Thanks for doing that. You passed, Justin. Flying colors. Well done. All right. So let's talk fantasy. Mike, you didn't ask the, so if there's a heaven and you go to the pearly gates. (laughs) I did have a question here that says, you know, what do you want on your tombstone? But I thought. That's morbid. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. my wife once asked me, uh, and it really, really upset her, my answer, that um, she goes, you know, what do you want your last words to our daughter to be? And I looked at her with a straight face and I said, I'm sorry I'm immortal. <laughs> I, I don't want anything on my tombstone. I, you know, just don't, don't make one. And, I, you know, we're, we'll be all good. Live forever. You're not dying ever. I like exactly. it. We're a uh, mind's like on that one. Okay, so let's talk draft strategies. That's what we were kind of previewing here. We'll talk draft strategies. We'll have a mound visit. We'll do Shine and Ride the Pine. We got a few emails, and then we're out of here. So what is the draft strategy that you prefer in the 60-game season? I think this is an important topic, obviously, because we are living in a bizarre-ass time right now. Not just baseball. All of our lives are upended, working from home or unemployed. So how much does COVID linger in your mind when it comes to fantasy baseball? And what is maybe a strategy that you would like to impart to others as, you know, not that you're the expert and know everything, but I'm sure you have a good idea of what you want to do with two main events coming up. I think that this season in this draft season that's going on right now is going to be all about flexibility and adaptability. Um, it's really going to come down to, because what's going to happen is, and we saw it, if you, if you, if you watched, or seeing the boards for like the first two main events uh, that happened over the weekend, you saw a lot of people in, you know, use a lot of different draft strategies that people weren't expecting and people, you know, didn't think that would kind of come down the pike and the people who adapted best to kind of counteract those strategies are the ones who are probably going to win those leagues. Um, You know, because the bottom line is we have no idea 
what the right strategy is for this because we've never been through this. You know, some people are you know speculating that, hey, pitching is going to be worth a lot more, especially the upper tier pitching. Some people are like, oh, I, I don't want to, you know, go in, you know, to my fab season, you know, pick up, you know, and have to like pick up closers on the waiver wire. Some people are like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to just load up on offense because pitching is going to be so unreliable, uh, you know, and like there's really, really strong, smart theories behind a lot of these different ideas. But let's be honest, no one knows. No, we have no idea. We've never experienced this kind of season. We've never experienced, you know, something this short, something that could be this volatile. Um, and so for me, my main draft strategy is I want to be adaptable in draft. I want to I want to take advantage of other people doing weird, crazy things and get as much value at every pick that I can. I mean, are there certain things that I'm definitely going to stick to? Yes, I, I'm in the camp of. I want to push up closers because I don't want to try to fab closers in a 60 game season. Cause especially if you're like an NFBC, if you leave a draft without saves, you better believe that there are going to be people who are spending $800 of a thousand dollar fab on closers in the first, you know, first two fab sessions when people get two saves. Really? It's, it's just, Oh yeah. It's just going to happen because you still have a thousand dollars to spend over a third of the season. People are just going to blow their wad in the first two weeks. And there's reason for that because you're trying to get as much bang for your buck as you can. Um, but I don't want to be that guy that leaves a draft without something. So especially closers, because everybody's going to be looking for closers all the time. But it seems like so, more relievers are going to get opportunities this year because saves could. There is a lot of talk from people in the know who say, hey, we got a lot of relievers that are going to get more saves. It's not going to be just a closer handling the duties like a Raldis Chapman. I mean, that could be a thing of the past in this season. And you don't think that's the case? It's not that I don't think that that is a possibility. I think everything is going to be team by team dependent. Yeah. Some teams are going to work it that way. Some, you know, it's going to be, you know, and some teams are going to be like, no, this Chapman's my guy. Or, you know, Roberto Sooner's my guy. That's who I'm going to throw out there, you know, five out of six nights, uh, you know, for saves. Um, but it's going to be so hard to figure out uh, you know, off of the waiver wire, who those guys are. And it's going to be, there's a lot less of a season for a guy like Liam Hendricks to emerge. And if a lot of teams are doing that, um, you know, okay, you know, Monday's this dude, Tuesday's this dude, Wednesday, this dude, uh, that means there's a lot less opportunity to catch up off of the waiver wire. So if I get a guy who's going to get 12 saves, you know, and, you know, uh, and lead the league in saves, it's going to be really hard for you to find a guy who's going to get that off the waiver wire. And more than likely, you're going to have to burn two or three roster spots on guys who get three saves each, and you're still not going to catch me. And this is definitely a roto strategy, right, mainly? Yes. Oh, for sure. Okay. For sure. I think, I mean, in, in head-to-head categories, head-to-head points, I think you can be a little bit more liberal, and I think it's actually smart to kind of punt these categories that people are overpaying for or these points that people are overpaying for. You know, just, you know, if you're in a head-to-head categories league, just punt saves, punt speed, like punt, punt those things, um, you know, or punt batting average, punt the things with variance where you might be able to steal a point or two a week, uh, you know, just because it's going to be a weird season. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely different strategies in, in your, in your points leagues and your head-to-head categories leagues, um, you know, in your best ball leagues. But uh, I think the main thing is, 
don't be afraid to go against the grain because there are going to be a lot of people that say this is how you have to do it, and that's going to leave surplus value somewhere else. Justin, do you play in any leagues where you guys change some of the categories up this year at all? I am not, um, but I don't think that's a bad idea for people who play in home leagues. Like if you, so for instance, I play in uh, the Barf League, which is an industry league with guys in San Francisco Bay Area Road of Fantasy League. You know, so like Howard Bender and um, you know Doug Thorburn and Sammy Reed and uh, to- you know Batflip Crazy Toby, uh, you know Matthew Davis and stuff. And we play in Matty a Wood. quality start league. Yeah, Matty Wood, he's you know awesome dude, and yeah. it's a quality start league. Uh, five quality starts may win that category this year. <laughs> so we 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 didn't change it because we had already had the draft. Um, and I, you know, and I pretty much it, people, some people wanted to redraft the whole league. And there were a few people who were just like, you know, what? I got too many leagues to draft now. I just don't want to have to draft another. And so I was like, all right, we're just going to keep it as it goes. But like, you know, if teams don't let people go six innings, you can't get a quality start. So like, you know, that category could easily be won by, you know, realistically 15 quality starts, uh, for the whole season. Um, if it was up to me, we would we would have just changed it to innings pitched, um, and I think that would have been the better category to to go for for this year. Uh, but this is also, like I said, like it's the year to like try out the main event because it's cheaper and because there's more variance. It's also the year to try out different things. If you've always thought about, hey, I, I, maybe we should play in a headed categories league instead of roto, or maybe we should you know do innings pitched instead of wins. Um, this is the year to try it out. It's 60 games, right? Lower the buy-in, whatever, with your buddies and go, hey, let's try something new. Let's try something different. And maybe we'll be able to keep that for next year. Or maybe we go, that that, that wasn't as fun as I thought it might be. Let's uh, let, let's go do something else. Like, you know, uh, I, I had buddies years ago that was like, they started an IDP-only football league. For those who don't like yeah. play for fantasy football, it was defensive players only. And we we're like, okay, like let's try it. This will be fun. It was not fun, you know. We 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 also did a roto fantasy football league. That was not fun. Like that that was not fun. But we tried it. And I think when you're doing a short sprint, you've only got a few weeks to play, anyways. Try something different. Mike, remember when we tried fielding percentage for a year? Yeah, we did. That was the first year of a keeper league that we started. It <laughs> was so funny. It was head to head too. It was head to head, so it was every week. It was so dumb. Especially if you're into head to head league, like this is the year to institute all play. So instead of playing, you know, you you know, Chris, you know, playing, you know, me this week, you're gonna play every single person in the league every week. Like this is the year to try that out. And I'll tell you, all play is way more fun for head to head, and there's a lot less, you know, the guy with just the luckiest team winning the league which happens like in every head-to-head league or every fantasy football league. So yeah, try new things. Like just, uh, you know, do something different. Yeah. My main keeper league that was actually brought up today by uh, a friend of the podcast, Joel. And he's like, what about this all play idea? And a lot of people shot it down immediately. And I'm like, I think we should look into that. You know, we've already cut down the entry fee for the league this year. We're only doing like 50 bucks. We do over a hundred. And I'm like, this is kind of the year to do some totally random stuff. And I, I think that's an excellent idea, especially in a short sprint season. Well, yes, yeah, because because in a short sprint season, if you're playing one opponent every week, you're not going to get to play the whole league. 
Yeah. So yeah, I mean we we yeah we divided up into divisions and we're only playing our division and we hate divisions more than anything else. But it's like we're playing six weeks, so it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah. So why not just play everybody for that six weeks? And at least then you get some idea of like who the you know who actually are the best teams that make the playoffs. I've also recommended to people playing head to head eliminate the playoffs. Like just don't do a playoff system. Just play out the season in an all play format and then whoever had the best record at the end of the season is the champion. Yeah. Uh, because the last thing you want is your championship week decided by two games. Cause they had to cut the season short because of like a second wave of COVID. So like, don't do that. Play all play. Um, and you know, in that way, if we only get four weeks in the season, you still have four weeks of data to prove who the best team was. Completely agree with you. I think that's what should be done. My, home league is like that and it's head to head and they're doing the same thing. We're like, Oh, we're going to do seven weeks of this. And then we're cutting down the playoff teams from six to four. But I think that we should just go for it all, maximize it and then leave the playoffs out of it. I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I'm going to get off this pod tonight and I'm just going to send a text out to like all the 40 people I play with in my three to four leagues. And I'm like, dude, this is what we have to do now. Justin Mason told me I had to do it. So I'm doing it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, now you got to send him the audio. Just be like, you know, this, he told us like specifically, <laughs> Directed at us. He is the fantasy lord. I will listen to Lord Mason. Yep. Commandment from the West Coast. What about in Dynasty, though? A guy like Mike Trout has brought up a lot of buzz because, you know, his wife's pregnant and the first child, I believe, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So he's taking that very seriously, as he should. He's a rich man. He's a great athlete. And he seems like a good overall dude and wants to be a great father. If you're in a Dynasty League, what do you do? Do you sit the season out in a sense and be like, you know what, I'm not trading Trout for anything? Or do you do you say, you know what, I'd like to cash in the value now? Or do you see his value taking more of a hit in redraft leagues? I'm curious how you would view that. I think if I'm in a dynasty league, I'm definitely not selling. Because I think you're just not going to get the value you deserve for a piece like that right now. And um, it's... Uh, I mean, this because it's such a small sample of a season, really anything can happen. And so a team that, you know, maybe was expecting to be kind of middle of the road this year could end up just catching fire and being the champion of your league. Um, and so, like, trading Mike Trout, like, just seems like a really poor future decision. Uh, for me, like, in, in if I think all of my dynasty leagues, I'm either middle of the road or I'm still rebuilding. And so I'm not like actually faced with this decision. We're like, well, this was my year to compete. Do I just, you know, go, well, I can't afford to lose the games that Mike Trout might lose. Do I move him? Um, but even if I was, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trading Mike Trout. I'm not, I'm not trading anything massive of value in a 60 game season. Okay. I can see that. I, I have Trout to keep league and I was thinking, you know, maybe I should trade him now and cash in and go for a title. But part of me is like, I'm just going to sit on my ass and wait this out. And I don't even really care about the season, to be honest with you. In my dynasty leagues, I'm much less motivated for like the results of this year. And mm-hmm. I don't feel that they're... I mean, this season is going to be so historically insignificant in terms of like, um, hey, you know, like Hall of Fame stuff or just careers. Like, it'll be remembered for being rare and weird, right? But it won't be something that we'll look back and be like, wow, that was like a season that really defined that guy at all. So... You know, like, I'm, 
my my main keeper league, I'm actually thinking about punting this season. So I don't really care if I win it at all this year. I have a lot of like early draft picks right now, and I'm actually thinking about trying to trade some of those away because I, I, I traded guys that I just couldn't keep. We've actually negotiated a deal to add more keepers next year. So I'm thinking about this is the year that I'm building upon the pretty good team that I already have. And I wouldn't even... I would not even care if I completely tanked, ended up near the bottom and could get an early draft pick. And then if I can maybe ship off some of these other guys and pick up more picks for next year and then maybe draft some young guys that might be hitting next year or the year after. And I could really set myself up. So I don't even really care about what happens within the season. It's more about building my team going into the following years. And I was literally just about to say on the flip side, if I'm a rebuilding team, this is the time to like start asking teams like, hey, you know, Chris Sale's out for the year. Like, do you, you want to want to part with him? I know you're trying to win right now. Um, you know, go go check on the Syndergaard owner. You know, go check go check on some of these guys that have opted out that might still have value for 2021. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that is the, a savvy guy who is uh, you know doesn't have you know his eyes set on 2020. Maybe this is the time to start like asking those questions. Uh, of those of those guys that might be like kind of borderline, you know, in the race or definitely in the race. Well, Freddie Freeman's a great example of this. Let's say it's mm-hmm. two weeks down the road and Freddie Freeman's where he is at now. Someone's not going to be able to just sit with him for three, four weeks, especially if they're really trying to go for it this year. And there's going to be a bidding war for some of these guys that do get COVID, especially some of the superstars. I'm going to be really interested to see what kind of those asking prices are and what you could get a guy that is a top 30 guy, you know, onto your roster for. Yeah, for sure. I'm so glad that I'm mostly in redraft leagues right now because Dynasty is just too messy right now. Redraft is simple. We've got 60 games to deal with. We can settle in. And whether you're in a points league, head-to-head, roto, uh, best ball, all of these leagues. And by the way, I'm getting more into best ball because in a season like this, it just makes it seem so much easier for me to draft a big old team and let the mess just play itself out, right? Best ball is the way to go. It's actually uh, someone was trying to talk my wife into playing her first fantasy baseball league by Whoa. saying, hey, just draft the best ball league. Really? Um, yeah, because, you know, she she likes the draft process, but she does not like the, the in-season management of things. The like grind. she's. Yeah, because she plays fantasy football with me, and she's like, she she'll she'll do you know a, a you know minor amount of research, but she enjoys the 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 draft, uh, and she enjoys the trash talk. She doesn't enjoy having to wake up on Sundays and set her lineup. Um, and so, uh, you know, someone was like, "Well, why don't you play best ball?" And like, you know, then you don't have to worry about the in season management. And you're right, in a sixty game season where injuries and COVID and just randomness are going to decide championships in a lot of leagues, maybe best ball is the best way to do it. I have not been familiar with them until really the last year or two. I'll admit that freely. I played fantasy baseball for over 20 years, but I never really heard of best ball and like draft champion stuff. It was all new to me. So I'm digging it. I love it. And I talked to MLB moving averages. John uh, is a good dude. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's done like a, ton of them i can't remember he said did like 40 of them but he's like yeah you don't have to do any maintenance really so you can draft 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 and just let it be and this is the ideal season to do it so i look strong it's really great draft prep you know i mean i know we're at a point right now where hopefully you're already prepped for your drafts and you're just tweaking things but when it comes to december and january of next year 
uh, and you're starting to get your prep going, it's a really good way of kind of getting a barometer on what the ADP is, you know, who guys like a lot more than maybe their ADP initially shows. Um, and you can do cheap ones like over on like Fanball and fan tracks for like 10 bucks. And it's, uh, you know, and do a bunch of those. And it's like, okay, now I'm ready for, you know, some of these as opposed to doing mock drafts where people quit halfway through or people, uh, you know, aren't taking it seriously. Um, or it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to get a mock draft together sometimes because how many people want to devote an evening to a fake draft, um, a fake draft about a fake game. Uh, so <laughs> like, uh, best ball leagues are, are great for just giving you an idea of the player pool and giving you an idea of kind of what ADP looks like. I'm just thinking about your face on, uh, the shirt that you have now and the swimsuit you have. I just got totally distracted and yeah, there you are. There he is again. He's got his shirt with his face on it. Feed me chicken. That's what it says. <laughs> it's the dumbest face. It's great. <laughs> Feed me chicken. Tell me I'm pretty. Well, simple life you live. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but let's kind of close this segment. I want to ask you, what else would you impart to people at this point right now? Because like in a Rota Fanatic, uh, like listener slash staff league draft we're doing, we're pushing it to the very final day. I think we're doing it like the 22nd, like the day before the season starts. I advise push your draft up as far as you can because you don't know what's going to happen. And after that, I really don't have like a personal strategy. I know uh, my buddy, Matt Williams, he's all about it. Guys in Roto speed and steals are huge. Bump that up, bump that up even more, but everyone's got a personal take. You've kind of given us your layout about closers. Is there anything else you would want to impart to people for Roto or any other strategy? You know, just, just be prepared to adjust your strategy mid draft because, you know, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I think some people are going to come in with these set ideas. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, we did see it, and I think, in the second main event that, that happened on Sunday night. Um, there were three teams that came in with the idea that they were going to do pocket aces in the first two rounds. And so, like, team three took an ace. Then team, I think it was, I think it was 13 took an ace. And then team 15 took two aces. And then team... 13 took his second ace and then all of a sudden team three didn't change his strategy <laughs> and it's like you just took like the ninth or 10th pitcher in the second round um or actually it's probably close to like the 13th or 14th pitcher in the second round that you could have gotten probably in the third round and you left a lot of value on the board with the hitters you passed up on um Don't get and so up. i think I think often, you know, especially when we're doing these out of the box strategies, we get so locked into what we're doing. This is what I'm doing. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be great. No one's going to see it coming. And we're not paying attention to what other people are doing. Adjustments is and, everything. Yeah. And it's um, like, you know, I mean, there was a year where, you know, uh, I I was in Tout Wars head to head and um, head to it was a head to head points league and like I I looked at the valuations and stuff and I realized pitching was going to be worth way more than hitting um, and so like out you know different than you know the rest of the league I spent two hundred of my two hundred sixty dollar budget on pitching um, and it, no one adjusted no one adjusted their pitching prices um, and you know. It 
it was the right strategy and had, you know, it not been the year Clayton Kershaw got hurt and Johnny Cueto got TJ. And um, like, you know, I probably would have run, you know, run away with the league. Um, and Tout Wars changed the rules the next year for it because, you know, it, it just, you know, it was kind of, you know, Todd Zola said after the draft, he goes, yeah, no, the way I run the numbers, you know, you should win this league pretty handily. But it just didn't work out because of injuries. Um, but nobody adjusted. And you got to adjust. you got to pay attention to what other people are doing, especially in this short season when people are just going to be doing weird crap. Okay, yeah, I think that's pretty clear. You're talking about making adjustments and, you know, Closures might have a little more value for you. So these are things to keep an eye on. But I think the overall message is clear, guys. Don't get locked into your old, tired patterns of thinking. Keep it fresh. Take radical approaches. Get get radical in a radical-ass year. I get it. That makes total sense. This is the end of part one. Go to part two to finish this episode with Justin Mason. Thanks for listening. Palazzo Podcast. Oh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.